0: Our next speaker, Dr. Billy Baum, Uh, he is Clinical Assistant Professor of Dermatology at the University of Alabama Med Center in Birmingham, uh, on staff at the Baptist Medical Center Family Practice Residency Program at Hunter College of New York. Speaks for everybody, great speaker, known him for a long time, Dr. Baum. Appreciate it. Okay, uh, this is kind of a pleasure for me to be here. This is a topsy-turvy world. Iran is close to nuclear weapons. Uh, Some of you remember Jim Morrison from The Doors. Everybody looks so young here. One of his concerts, he had a great line, let's enjoy yourself before this whole shithouse comes down. And I think that uh, he knew about Iran back then. The bastion of integrity and honesty in college football, Penn State, now has become purview. Uh, uh, Ultimate warrior, uh, Fraser, uh, who was a tremendous fighter, he died. And the most depressing thing was last Saturday in Tuscaloosa. I mean, we won everything, but the most important thing was the final score. So uh, I'm glad to be here and immerse myself in dermatology for an hour and forget about all this stuff that's going around us. So they gave me a topic I hope we have two or three hours to do this properly but uh, I do want to mention that I have an extensive handout but I don't think you have books now right it's on a thumb drive so all the stuff uh, beyond what I'm showing slide wise I have a whole lot of stuff there so you'll have that for references okay Uh, in accordance with uh, the American Academy American Academy of Dermatology Disclosure Policy, these are companies that have various relationships with today. I can tell you that everything I'm going to talk about today is based on clinical scientific evidence. Some of them are very strong, pivotal phase three studies, some of them are RCTs, random clinical studies, but everything is a scientific data. Now, psoriasis is a funny disease. Some people believe that maybe it's not all one disease, that it is various different diseases. So obviously you need to have different treatments for different types of psoriasis. An overview. I'm not going to kind of waste time here. I think many of you are familiar with this. When I was a resident, I'm embarrassed to say, 32 years ago, we used to think that the action was in the epidermis. There was a, uh, a rapid proliferation of epidermal cells. Now we know with uh, cyclosporin in kidney patients, transplant patients, they determined that it is an immune response where activated T lymphocytes cause a complex interaction. We have the uh, liberation of chemokines and cytokines. Which causes psoriasis cascade. So, we won't uh, belabor that. Again, the pathogenesis here what happens is you have a hyperproliferation of keratinocytes. Normally, it takes 28 to 30 days for a cell to go in the bottom layer of the basal cell and uh, mature and desquamate. In psoriasis, it happens in three to five days. And that's when you see these big, thick, scaly, micaceous plaques. That's a, a rapid turnover of many cells that are abnormal. They're all sticking together on the skin. Now, we're going to talk about some different treatment options today. Now, you know we're supposed to talk about what do you do if you can't use biologics. So we're going to discuss this. We're going to talk about topical therapy, phototherapy, laser therapy, systemic therapy, traditional agents, which are the methotrexate, cyclosporin, acetretin. And if anybody is still left in the room after all of that, we may talk about something else. So, why topical therapy? Well, even in my biologic patients, I use topical therapy because very, very rarely will something keep them 100% clear. So you need to use that adjunctively. There are contraindications to systemic therapy. Obviously, if patients have liver disease, kidney disease, they can't use the traditional modalities. A lot of them can't afford the medications, and it costs to get the test that you have to monitor them with. And lastly, we expect that topical therapy is the lease of side effects. We break it up into monitoring therapy, combination therapy. Historic perspective, I'm an old guy so I like to get these old articles and read and it gives me a little uh, idea of what they were thinking. Well all the topical therapy we do today is based on Bill Geckerman from the Mayo Clinic in 1925. It started with crude uh, coal tar in conjunction with ultraviolet light. Now obviously with uh, the uh, discovery of topical steroids that we have a a, a different uh, type of modified Geckerman regimen. So these are the different things we're gonna talk about. Corticosteroids, obviously, they work well as all of you know and a lot of us use this first line vitamin D therapy topical retinoids the topical immunomodulators combination therapy obviously when you have just one product sometimes like in acne is a perfect example you can use two products and maybe have different mechanisms of actions which will work better and get you more efficacy some of these things are very popular in Europe still but they're messy we don't really use these things Cold tar, the uh, anthelin still is popular in Europe over-the-counter moisture uh, again, this helps especially facilitate ultraviolet light therapy. The Cetaphil, the new line, uh, the Restore Derm is a, is a great line. And salicylic acid, I, I used to use a lot of this one product uh, called Keralit, but now I'm using this Salvex, which is a 6% topical foam that is a very nice cosmetic pro- product that works well. So topical vitamin D therapy, I don't think it really works great alone. I think it works really well in combination therapy. But the market's relatively saturated. Dovnyx was approved in 1994, uh, uh, and uh, now they have Vectical, which is, uh, Dovnyx is a synthetic analog of uh, vitamin D, but this is a naturally occurring vitamin D, the Vectical, which was approved a couple years ago. Calcitol is approved in Europe and Japan. It isn't really effective. And then Maxidcalcitol is also approved in Japan but that gets too much absorption of calcium causes acute renal insufficiency soralex is a new product that will be coming out next year it's a foam version of the calcium and maybe it'll be less irritating and penetrate better again without medical insurance a lot of these products are expensive even the generic ones are, are quite expensive so, topical retinoids, well, to me, I don't really use that hardly ever in psoriasis. Why? It's very irritating. Tazarotene is the product. Uh, it's very expensive, and to me, it doesn't work very well. But there is good scientific evidence that three products can prevent atrophy. Good scientific data. Tezarotene is one of them. Uh, Ammonium lactate, 12%. Lachydrin is another one. And the vitamin D products, they work well in avoiding some of the untoward effects that you don't want to see from topical steroids. Topical immunomodulators. Some of the older people, everybody looks so young in this room. Uh, you might remember the old Seven Up commercials where they called it the Uncola. Well, I bid in hook, line, and sinker to the immunomodulators. It's the Unsteroid. So the good is that you can use it very effectively in sensitive areas, in the groin, eyelids, axilla. Uh, the bad, it itches, stings, burns. And if patients are dumb enough to read those PIs, they can get scared with uh, the black box warning there. And again, they are. Uh, overpriced. So anthrolin, bath solutions, coal tar, these things again uh, are messy, time-consuming, and they're not very popular in the U.S., but still used uh, overseas. Again, they, they don't work great, but uh, in conjunction with ultraviolet light, the moisturizers uh, seem to do well. Well, the topical steroids, they're very efficacious, all of you know that, of course, the ultra-potent ones. The bad, there are side effects. There are skin changes, and in little kids, young kids with a uh, small body surface area that use a potent steroid, you can get into trouble with pituitary axis uh, suppression. The ugly is that it doesn't work for a little while, short duration, and again, brand name's a little bit more expensive. But here's the time that you guys should be using those coupons. To me, that's a great marketing tool. One, you're treating your patient with a better product, and they're going to do better. You're treating their disease. And the other thing is the patients know you give a darn about their economic status. I mean, these are hard times here. I don't know about you guys, but my practice has slowed up. The economy's hurt. A lot of people are out of work, don't have insurance, and those coupons make it pretty similar, the price for a brand name and generic, and I think the brand names unquestionably are more efficacious. So here's some of the topical problems you get, obviously striase, steroid atrophy. Here the local uh, topical corticosteroid adverse effects. You have thinning skin, Uh, you lose the skin markings here. This is hypopigmentation. This is kind of interesting because truth be told is that when you have a patient that comes in with hypopigmentation, you're probably gonna use corticosteroids, but that actually causes it. Steroid melanogenesis is inhibited by steroids because it decreases melanosome distribution in the skin. Here you have uh, this, women abhor this, if you're a weightlifting guy you might like this, but this transparency where it's a vasculature, it plays in Washington, but not here. Steroid, rosacea, telangiectasia, this is very rare, I've never seen one of those, and of course, this is the typical story we all see. Obviously, derm PAs are a hell of a lot smarter than the the. PA, the the derm, general derms and family practitioners, you guys know you use lochisone in the groin for a period of time, you're going to get that. But they still continue to use that, just like pediatricians still continue to use benzomycin. Uh, here you have purpura, which is a chronic side effect. And again, in certain areas, in the interdriginous areas and in uh, the genital areas, you can get ulceration with potent topical steroids. So you got to be careful here. There are a lot of different vehicle options. You can see this list depending upon where you want to use it, creams, ointments, gels, lotion, spray, maybe for areas on the head, the lotion you might want to use in a hairy area. So you have all sorts of things, tape, solution, shampoos, powder, oils. You have to try and match what location, what area of the anatomy you're using the product and, of course, the potency of it. Skin function as a barrier is very important as you go on to various types of meetings and you're hearing a lot more diseases, rosacea, acne, all are concerned with the epidermal barrier. So it's important that we know that this mechanical barrier needs to be protected so that you can prevent transepidermal water loss, permeability barrier, antimicrobial barrier. The skin protects. It's the largest organ of the skin as we all know and there's a lot of important points here that must be considered in order to prevent some of the side effects. So if we look at topical corticosteroids, I think nobody will argue that brand name products have greater potency than the generics. The vehicle can greatly influence percutaneous absorption, and most of us believe that the better the absorption, the more efficacious will be the particular product. The limiting factors are, uh, you know, the tier three costs on, on this product. Now, I read an article not too long ago that talked about bioequivalence, that the generics in pills are 80 to 100 uh, percent bioequivalent to the uh, brand names. But in skin products, it's less because the vehicle is so important for penetration, so that's. important point to consider that you're going to get more efficacy with the better vehicles and this article went on to say which shocked me is that these companies that put out the generic products make more money than the brand names even though the price is less the reason they cheap out the vehicle and put in a a bunch of cheap crap in that and that's how they increase their improvement so the vehicle can make or break it the amount of active is small in comparison to the vehicle. The best example, metrogel 1% is 92% water. So there's not much uh, of the active in there, but the vehicle is so important to get that where you need it to happen in the epidermis and the dermis. Formulation can affect all of these, potency, penetration, stability, and, of course, ability to combine with other products. Typical example is tretinoin. When you use a retinoid with another product, the retinoid makes the other product penetrate better. So this is very important, and not to be underestimated is aesthetic properties. If patients put a cream or a lotion or a gel, whatever, ointment on, and they don't like how it feels, they're not going to use it. So who are they going to blame? Are they going to blame the pharmacist because he gave filled your prescription? They're going to blame you. So you have to make sure that you give them a product that they're going to like. The best example to show you how the vehicle affects this is to look here at beta-methythone. If you have the different vehicle formulations, it could be class one, two, three, or five just based on the vehicle. So that plays an important role. Again, you can use emollients, humectants to keep in the water and to prevent transepidermal water loss, and those things are all important in the vehicle. So the question is: are you getting the maximum out of your vehicle? This is my favorite. We don't have to tell you where that truck's coming from. But anyway, you want to get the most out of these vehicles. Okay, treatment considerations. So, side effects. We talked about potency, body surface area, and young kid's safety. The vehicle, where you're going to use it. Head, scalp, groin, hairy areas, back and chest. Cost, brand name versus generic, and of course, how long you're going to use it. The longer you use a potent steroid, the more chance you're going to get into some of the problems we showed you before with atrophy and et cetera. Treatment approaches. So, what are the different philosophies that you can use to try and prevent these side effects? Decrease applications instead of uh, TID, go to BID, QD. Decrease the concentration of the steroid. Avoid halogenated or fluorinated steroids. Here, combination therapies. We said before you have three different products that can ameliorate the side effects of atrophy. Rotational therapy. Uh, the best example of this is if you use cyclosporin, which affects the kidney, then switch a year later to methotrexate which affects the liver. So that way you're not doing too much insult to one particular organ system. And then sequential therapy where you use the product for a while, stop and use something else to give patients a little rest period. Now there is no silver bullet. If we look at these three different studies, you can see that there is no one answer with topical therapy. Some people like sequential, combination, rotational, or monotherapy. So there is no one answer. All of you are different in this room. If we put up a canvas all around the room, each one of you would probably paint it differently. And the same thing goes with topical therapy. Here if you look at mild, moderate, and severe psoriasis, even in the severe psoriasis, 68.3% of you use Topical therapy with severe uh, psoriasis so the monotherapy options obviously clobex is a one that is a a very good product it's a a ultra potent type one they've re-engineered the topical uh, nozzle on that to make it more efficacious if we look at the clinical phase three studies you can see that by week 4 78 percent of these patients had success which was evaluated as clear almost clear here uh, again, if you stop the Clobex after four weeks, more than half of the patients will maintain the duration of their response. Here in another study, you see 82%. So it's consistent. You have similar numbers in different studies done at different institutions. And here's some before and after baseline. Here, week two and week four pretty clear. So obviously, this is a potent topical steroid. Here on the elbow, same thing. Baseline, four weeks later, pretty good results. So, the COBRA trial, did anybody in this room uh, participate in the COBRA trial? I had uh, nobody. Everybody's so young. I had eight patients in this, but this had about 2,500 patients here at 450 investigational sites. Now, the reason I'm mentioning this is that the Phase three studies are usually done, there may be 10 to 20 offices throughout the U.S. that do the abundant uh, preponderance of studies for these companies to get things approved. But, this was a study, the COBRA study, where it was an open-label community-based study. So anybody out in the real world can do it. And the purpose that we'll say here is that the numbers in uh, these studies, 80 and 69, were very similar to what you saw in the phase 3 study. So I think that just shows that this is a consistent product. And here you can see in this study, baseline week 2, week 4, still pretty good results. Olux-e foam. Uh, Some of you may remember if you've been around five or six years, maybe longer now, time seems to go quickly when you're aging. Uh, They had the plain Olux that a lot of patients complained about. It stung and burned. So they reformulated it. They added white petrolatum here and uh, a little bit uh, of the uh, light mineral oil. And now patients didn't complain of stinging and burning and still got pretty good results. And this is all in your handout, much in more extensive than I'm going to go through because we have to do so much today. But patients seem to like these different uh, parameters where it was easy to use, apply. And this is important to me, lack of residue of stickiness. My niche for the Olux E-foam, particularly is on the hands. If they have to put something on their hands before they go to the work. About three or four minutes afterwards, it's really not sticky or greasy. So the whole day, they're not messing up paperwork. Here, showing you two great improvements, and you can see the OLUX eFoam outclassed uh, the vehicle, which you expect. Here, paritis, in the handouts, it also talks about erythema and a couple other parameters where obviously the uh, OLUX Foam outperformed the vehicle. And here, this is just two weeks now, before baseline, two weeks later, pretty good results. Kenalog spray. Now this is interesting. This company has ears. When they do these ad boards, they listen. And a lot of people said the 63 gram canister was not enough. It was okay for the scalp, but they couldn't use it on the body. So they came out with a 100 gram canister. Again, I'll let you on a little secret. I tell these patients I always give them the hundred because I want to give them economy. Let them uh, get almost twice as much for the same money. And with the promise card, this thing is ten bucks. They're giving this stuff away so the features here it's 0.2 some of you the substitution and I don't know how a pharmacist can substitute a cream for a spray but the catalog cream is 01 this is 02 it's got that longer nozzle believe it or not we still have some beehive hairdos in Alabama and that works good on them sticking that thing in there The no-touch application like the car wash, again, you don't want to be rubbing stuff into your skin. This they can spray on and it penetrates and uh, doesn't need to be rubbed in. No time or age restrictions for some of you who have tight sphincters out there and like to go by the PIs of what that says specifically. And if you're from California, no chlorofluorocarbon, so it's environmentally friendly. This is a study by Joe Fowler. Some of you may know him. He runs six meetings. How the hell does he have time to do studies when you run six meetings? I don't know, but he did a nice study here. At the baseline, there were 83% of patients who were either uh, moderate or severe. By the end of the study, day 28, there were actually 87% of patients who were either clear, almost clear, or mild. So he got pretty good results. and I believe we have a... Uh, Let's see, the summary showing you that. 95% of patients preferred it. A lot of times in these studies, the patients like what they're using, so they all prefer it. But again, uh, 92% said they'd ask for it again, and a lot of them felt this cooling effect. And here's a before-after. This is just one week. Here's some scalp, either seborrheic dermatitis or psoriasis. BID one week later, pretty good results. Again, if you're getting old like me and you've lost your flexibility and you can't reach down and touch your toes, that nozzle may help you for stasis dermatitis on the back or some other areas. Now I did a little study last year and uh, the purpose of this was to evaluate the big jar. And a lot of you guys know that when you have patients who have body surface areas beyond 5%, that the 60 gram tube, you put it on two or three times and it's gone. Now the patient's stuck with nothing for three more weeks. So uh, we're going to show you here. The Halog cream, it's a biphasic cream. So it's got two sides. The crystals are ingrained in water and oil. The water is absorbed immediately, and then the crystal uh, with the oil are delayed, similar to what we see in Oratia. They have 30 milligrams immediate and 10 milligrams delayed. So when I saw some of the results of the study, I said, man, these people are really doing good, and I figured it's probably due to the biphasic area. All the patients in my study were either severe or uh, um, 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 moderate, and you can see that at the end of the study, day 28, 47.4 percent of patients. Now that's slightly less than half, but these were all extensive, rough patients that they got to be clear, almost clear. So the HALOG cream in the jaw did work well. Uh, Almost half of the patients were clear, almost clear, and eight out of 10 liked it, and uh, again, a lot of them said that they would use it again. Now here's a couple of patients from the study. Now this patient walked in, and fortunately when you do a study, you never know who is coming through the door. This patient only had uh, feet and hand, Less than 5%, but this was disabled. This patient couldn't walk and do anything. So we just monotherapy with the Halal cream. Four weeks later, now it's not completely clear, still broken out, but this patient now is able to walk around. Hand eczema, what do you want to call it? Occupational, irritant, psoriasis, or just plain uh, chronic hand eczema. These things hurt. The fissures hurt, and... uh, Here it is four weeks later, much better. And again, this vehicle is special. Dick Dobson, an old dermatologist who's retired now, a master of dermatology, he told me that if they repeated the HALOG studies with a different vehicle, it wouldn't be class two, it would be less that the vehicle's so special. Here's a guy I hadn't seen in a bunch of years, he comes in, comes back four weeks later, you can see the post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, but the guy did great. Here's a patient with lupus, She's not all clear, but certainly a lot better. So this is a nice effective topical regimen. Here's a lady with a BK amputation before and after. And then this fellow here came in whining to me. He's a young 30-year-old guy. He said, look, every time I go out socially, I finally, you know, get a girl. We get doing pretty good. And then I take off my shirt and she thinks I have leprosy. And uh, so we gave him a little hay log and he did pretty good. Now I think he got over it here where, you know, uh, he was able to uh, let the girl know he didn't have anything too contagious. Calcitriol ointment. It's a relatively new option in psoriasis. Again, uh, we talked about the analog calcitriol available in 94, but this is actually the natural occurring vitamin D. And how this works, and again, later on for monotherapy, you'll see it in some of the different schematics we do, but this decreases cell proliferation and improves the cell differentiation. So that's how it works. So in conjunction with steroids, it's a pretty good product. Again, uh, this is uh, also, I always like to do analogies in my mind. If you treat herpes, there's two ways to do it. Suppressive therapy, where they take the antiviral all the time, or you treat them episodically. Same thing with psoriasis. A lot of doctors like to treat flares, where they treat from flare to flare, they get them better, they come back when they flare again. So the question is, if you use maybe the uh, calcitriol, then you could have more time in between eruptions and cyclical outbreaks of the psoriasis. So this is basically a, a, a safe product. In the two pivotal studies, one and two, you had 34 and 33 percent of patients who had achieved uh, the minimal uh, improvement here, which is, a uh, us d- see. Uh, um, disease severity here, and in this study, 33%. So you can see that from week two, four, six, eight, they to continue to improve and beat the vehicle. It's not going to knock you out of the ballpark because it's only 34 to 33%, but nevertheless, in conjunction with steroids, it works well. And here you can see before week eight, certainly not as good as you get with the potent, super potent topical steroids, but pretty good anyway. 52-week study showed this stuff is safe. The thing you got to worry about, like I talked to you about, maxacalcitol, which can get too much absorption and knock out your kidneys. Here no clinically significant effect on calcium homeostasis after 52 weeks. Couple were elevated, but not clinically significant. Also tolerability, calcitriol is much more tolerable than calcitriol. Uh, Again, you can see here, in terms of erythema, much more with the calcipitriol, more edema, more stinging and burning. So this is a product that is more tolerable to your patients. And here, showing you on the left, a patient with the calcitriol. He's clear here after six weeks, and on the right, calcipitriol, he's not doing very well. The new product, Soralux will be coming out probably in the second or third quarter in 2012. This will be a foam version of the calcipatrion. This may have less irritation and greater absorption. So this may be a product you might want to consider. Again, I think it's going to be determined on the price, whether or not this flies or not. So let's go into topical combination therapy. Obviously it has the most potential. You can use two together and hit different mechanisms of action, better efficacy, and reasonable cost in some of these things with a coupon. So what are we looking about in combination therapy? Some of you may recognize that's Don Lawson, 1956 World Series Perfect Game. Well Don Lawson was just a journeyman pitcher. But here's Yogi Berra. With Yogi Berra, he was able to pitch a perfect game. Here. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he won one championship when he was with Cincinnati with big old Oscar Robinson. Then Magic Johnson came to town, and what happens? He wins five championships with the Lakers. The two of them together were better. Here, Magic and I, we hadn't won crap together, but... uh Now these two guys, I think many of you guys recognize them. The Beatles, when the Beatles were together, they were the biggest and the best. Then they each went off individually. John Lennon and Paul McCartney, hope I'm pronouncing those right. Uh, You know, they were reasonably successful on their own, but nothing like uh, the Beatles. Here, Lucia Ball was just a chorus girl. And she teamed up with uh, Desi Arnaz, who's a third-rate bongo player in nightclubs. The two of them together had the longest-running situation comedies on TV. Here, Donald Trump and me. Now, some of you may know we went to high school together. So, about a year ago, he calls me up to his office and he said, look, uh, he was winning, you know, the polls. It looked like he was going to get the nomination. He wanted to know if I wanted to be his Surgeon General. <clears throat> Some of you may know that in Alabama the governor is the next dermatologist. So of course, uh, you know that sounded like a nice, easy job, good pay, good benefits. I said, "Hey, why not?" And then what I didn't realize is that he was still mad at me because I graduated ahead of him, so he fired me. So <laughs> my career didn't last very long. All right, combination therapy. So. Taclinex, okay, this is the Sinequan Nun. It's one product that has two in it. Here, the big problem, some of you may know years ago, they couldn't make the formulation in the right pH with the two products together. Finally, they got it right, and you can see here that this outperforms each of its monads. Uh The problem is, Taclinex works pretty well. Let's show some of the pictures before and after. Some post-inflammatory, post-inflammatory, but I call this the topical biologic because it's so expensive, so uh, this is a problem. Plus, they play dirty pool. You know. Uh, they took Davinex ointment off the market a few years ago uh, in order to facilitate the use of Taclinex, so that didn't sit well with me. Ultravate Pack. this has some pretty good scientific evidence. You have a super potent type 1 uh, corticosteroid, Ultravate, in conjunction with, as I mentioned before, the ammonium lactate 12%, hydrogen 12, and this prevents a lot of the atrophy and side effects that you don't want to see with your patients. Here's a study by Mark Lebow, one of the premier uh, dermatologists in the world of psoriasis. He did a nice study using this as per label, where he used the um, ultravate twice a day and lachydrin twice a day for two weeks. Then what happened is that patients, if they were clear or almost clear, got to go in the maintenance arms. One maintenance arm was lachydrin twice a day and a weekend placebo, and the other one was lachydrin twice a day and the weekend ultravate. And this is a baseline plaque, this is a pretty nasty plaque. And when I looked at this, I said, oh, this is clear. But actually this was judged, as almost clear, because you can see at the apex of that plaque, he has a little papular squamous eruption. This is another patient in the study, and I'm telling you this, this is week 26. I don't get results like that with my biologics as with that topical. But again, that's one patient in the study. So what was determined is that by using the ultravate, on the weekends, and this was Ultravate ointment only on Saturday and Sunday. Patients almost 20 weeks were able to maintain their improvement, and with just the lac hydrogen, uh, 7.2, so almost two months. So the conclusions, the Ultravate pack for two weeks was effective, 75% of patients qualified, which was bigger than some of the other individual studies they used with other products. So again, Lachydrin on weekend use is uh, effective, uh, and you can get longer results by just using it on the weekend, which again uh, prevents from some of those side effects. Here's another one by another big name in dermatology, John Koo, on the Ultravate. And again, some of you who buy into the adherence compliance of Steve Feldman say, oh, you gotta use it twice a day. Well, this study showed that you can use it once a day, and it was as effective as twice a day. And by using Lachydrin, it maintained improvement for six weeks. So here you have Ultravate once a day, Lachydrin twice a day, Ultravate twice a day. And here's the patient baseline. Week two, they stopped the Ultravate, continued the Lachydrin, and he maintained clarity by week six. So summary, Ultravate 1 works as good as ultravate 2 and it might make patients happy they only have to use it once a day. If you like the ointment you could probably use it at night so it's not greasy and get on their clothes. And hydrogen does increase the duration of the response. Sequential therapy okay here's one with Clobex spray and the calcitriol that we talked about here by using the Clobex spray twice a day for four weeks and then stopping it as per the label you can then use the uh, uh, calcitriol ointment twice a day and here you can see 94% of patients here had success improvement of at least one grade of baseline then they stop it and then eight weeks later by using BID calcitriol you had 84% of patients had maintained the improvement So again, this is a coup mentor, this is psoriasis index. A lot of you have probably heard the lectures on comorbidities and the quality of life index. It's shown that if it's less than 50, then that doesn't impact negatively the lifestyle. So you can see that a majority of these patients did achieve that. And here are the before and after baseline, week four. Completely clear. And then by week 12, now, again, if you compare this to that, patients will be very happy. But you can see that they're losing a little of the efficacy by stopping the clobex. But then, of course, you can reinitiate it. So the rationale for psoriasis treatment regimen studies is that you can use some of these high-potency topical steroids. The majority of patients can maintain remissions. And of course, you have a number of these little tricks to maintain that and avoid change. So here you have the AM-PM regimen, where if you use a spray in the morning, the Vectical ointment at night, the weekday, weekday, similar to what Do- uh, Dr. Lebwald did with the Ultravate using the uh, lac hydrogen twice a day and the Ultravate on the weekends. Here you can use the Vectical Cal twice a day and the clobex spray on the weekends. And sequential, the first one, we use a spray for four weeks, then stop using that and go to the, uh, uh, the, the calcitriol. So again, we'll have some pretty good results here before week two, week four. And you can see this is a, uh, a low power of the last one. So the AMPM study showed that 85% were clear, 51% maintained reduction. So you have good results here. Weekday, weekend, again, body surface area decreased by week two of 20%. Again, this is weekday, weekend, and then 39% here. We're just using it on the weekend, showing you before and after. Baseline, week two, week four. Here, elbow baseline week two, week four. So this is weekday, weekend. And again, you had pretty good results. Again, they're in your handout, so I won't belabor them. All right, how about psoriasis of the palms and soles? You know, that's a pretty difficult problem here. So we have a study here from uh, Dave Goldberg. And this is kind of interesting. The incidence of palm plant is estimated at 28 to 41%. That's a pretty good disparity. So again, I don't know what to say other than different patient loads give you different numbers. But again, a lot of times, these type of problems in the hands and feet uh, are resistant to the various topical things, lights and things that we do. So this was a study used uh, here. Again, all this demographics are in your uh, in your uh, handout uh, this is the machine and basically what happens is that you form an excited dimer this means that you have xenon an inactive gas which combines with chlorine a reactive gas and then an electrical stimulation that makes a pseudo molecule which then penetrates the advantage of this is that you get deep penetration the epidermis the dermis you also have a greater kill rate in uh, apoptosis is higher and with the handheld unit you only have to uh, treat the affected areas not the whole area So here, this just again, uh, we'll show you some results. This is from the study, before and after, after two months of 11 treatments twice a week, pretty good. This is not from the study. This is our old friend Bernie Goff. He's a pretty famous uh, dermatologist out in Seattle. He's getting up in years, but here is a before and after. So again, the sweet spot here is 308. The narrow band, the optimal treatment for psoriasis, narrow band is 300 to 315, and this little sweet spot seems to be pretty effective here. So, in terms of the topical therapy and conclusions, you can see you have to take into consideration the body surface area, the location, the vehicle you're using, the potency, efficacy, potential side effects. All these things are important in your decisions. And again, don't be afraid to use the coupons. So now we're going to go to traditional systemic therapy. And again, this is not using biologics. These are the old-fashioned ones that some of you probably never even had to use very much. But again, they all work very similarly. They work by decreasing T-cell loads. They kill T-cells. So uh, again, why should you use systemic therapy for psoriasis? And the answer is is that a lot of patients have extensive disease, they didn't respond to some of the other things you did and uh, there are quality of life issues. I think uh, one of the reasons why a lot of these psoriasis patients are so heavy is that they're embarrassed to go out in public and take off their shirt to go to the park and, and all that sort of thing. so it kind of mounts up so it's important to maybe get them back and uh, decrease their triglycerides, cholesterol, get them a little bit more healthy by clearing them up and then letting them uh, enjoy the activities of daily living. Uh, a lot of times patients don't respond to these things. They've already gotten the maximum dose of PUVA. And I guess I should mention this. Uh, Coria is, has produced Oxoral, and they own it. Either them or Valiant is the same entity. And uh, it's really sad. That is as cheap as dirt. But they've made it so exorbitantly high that you can't use PUVA anymore. Now, again, I'm not espousing PUVA. There are better things and safer things. But still, in cutaneous lymphoma and in vitiligo, nothing works better than PUVA. But I have patients that can't get it on it, because the, the cost of the accessority is just so high. So here they are, messing around, buying this company and that company. And, and uh, you know, why don't they take care of, uh, of business here and make that reasonable? So when you have patients, uh, this is usually the number in psoriasis for your insurance companies. If a patient doesn't have 10% body surface area, then they probably aren't going to qualify for systemic therapy. And again, some of the different types of psoriasis, generalized pustular, and erythrodermic, Pray that you guys don't have to see those types or treat them, let the uh, doctor treat those. Uh, Those things are pretty tough. And again, this is uh, some of the different things to use it. So reasons, again, uh, physical restrictions, negative impact, and the rule of tens where the posse body surface area uh, and the uh, dermatology life quality index is greater than 10 is that these patients are miserable. They have no lives. And uh, again, that's the reason for systemics. So methotrexate, that used to be the most used product. It was approved in 1971. This fellow, how could anybody name their kid Rees B. Rees, you know? <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, it's somebody from California, so that explains it. So anyway, you know they ruin their lives physically, emotionally. They can't do it. And the methotrexate, uh, it works when maybe the ultraviolet light didn't. Now gas has gotten so high, I don't do ultraviolet light anywhere near uh, like I used to. And of course, the biologics, too, have something to do with that. And methotrexate is a DMARD. And again, if you guys fill out that stuff to get a thing improved, most of the time the insurance companies demand that they've been on a DMARD unsuccessfully for six months. So methotrexate certainly fits the bill there. I gave you guys some nice uh, published references we don't have time to go over this believe it or not uh, uh, Henry Rennick is still alive I saw him at a meeting last week I couldn't believe it Uh, these are guidelines from Alan Mentor and if you guys read all this stuff you could come here and give this talk or she'll know more than me but again these are all quality articles giving you the history and telling you all about these products so the mechanism of action, again, this is in your uh, handout here, I won't uh, you know, belabor you with this, but again, this has an affinity for proliferating T cells, and again, this is how these traditional work, they alter the uh, T cell count. And this kind of interesting thing, dihydrofolate reductase, uh, I think I'm going to mention it in the end, there's been an article uh, out in the literature that when you give methotrexate, normally you give it with folic acid to decrease side effects. Does everybody do that? Everybody use folic acid with methotrexate? Pretty much. Anybody doesn't? Well, there was this buzz about if you use folic acid, it decreased the efficacy of the methotrexate. So some of you may know uh, from Florida, Charlie Camisa. His nickname is Charlie. We call him Charlie the Shirt for obvious reasons, but he has written a couple of the handbooks of psoriasis. He's an old-timer from the Cleveland Clinic, and I got a hold of him a couple months ago and asked him about that. And he told me, he says, you know what I do? The day that they take the methotrexate, I don't give them the folic acid. So that's kind of a nice pearl if your patients are smart enough to know that. We can't do that in Alabama, but maybe in some of these other states you can do that. Contraindications, again, these are long lists. Obviously pregnancy, this is teratogenic, you don't want to do that. History of liver disease, again, if they like uh, to drink. And again, patients may think knocking down a six pack is just, you know, having an occasional beer, but to me that's too much. So You have to look at that. Renal function is very important, that's how it's broken down. They don't have good renal function, they're going to have too much in there. Uh, Drug interactions. This is the only time where the pharmacy might not be a pain in the ass to us, where you could work with him and say, hey look, look over drugs, make sure there's no uh, drug interaction. They usually have those computer programs or you may have it on your iPhones and whatnot. so, the methotrexate dosing in the US now again if some of you are tight sphincter or OCD you might want to follow the guidelines while that stuff is playing I'll tell you how I've been doing this my chairman who was a president of the Academy many years ago he almost killed the patient when he put them on you know the normal dosage of methotrexate so I learned how to do this you give the patient a prescription for 20 pills the first time you see them they get a baseline blood test you give them two pills that night two pills the next night they come back in two weeks you repeat the blood test if it's normal they don't take the pills then they take four for four weeks come back in four weeks repeat the blood test and then you could treat them up or down based on their clinical response so I've been lucky guess I need to knock on wood for 32 days uh, 32 years have stayed out of trouble almost killing somebody it's very rare but it can happen so again these are guidelines I already mentioned the folic acid does this decrease uh, the efficacy again I give one uh, milligram a day but I don't have them take it the day they take the other one Monitoring, well, this is an issue. You know, there's no reason that you're supposed to get a PPD, but, you know, this is an immunosuppressive agent. I demand that they, once we have them under control, they come back every three months and repeat the blood test. We do a full smack. So, again, uh, this is issues that you guys have to come to grips with. But don't be a nice guy or a nice lady and they call you four or five months later, oh, I can't come in, I don't have the money for the co-payment. You say, look, if you don't get the blood test, I'm not giving you the prescription. Uh, Don't put yourself out to hang to dry. Obviously, people, uh, big people in psoriasis, a lot of them do have fatty livers where they have abnormal liver tests. It's a problem, so what do you do here? These are high risk factors, diabetes, obesity, and then try to do a liver biopsy on that guy. Uh, That would be a treat. And if you ever want to get rid of your patient from methotrexate, you tell them, well, we have to do a liver biopsy, and then you'll never see them again. So that's a little uh, pearl. Uh, This is not approved in the U.S. There will be a test soon, and uh, Alan Mentor, I heard him last week, actually here in Orlando, and he was saying he hadn't done a liver biopsy in about eight years, that he watches them closely and gets liver scans. Now, I guess he probably has somebody really good, but you got to be careful. Put it down in your chart. Patient refused liver biopsy, warned that they could have liver problems, because the liver function tests don't actually show the problems. The utility of methotrexate, you could either use it monotherapy in combination, obviously, it's a DMARD. In biologics, it prevents neutralizing antibodies. A lot of us use that to prevent the the development of those, which cause dose creep and uh, a loss of efficacy in the biologics. And again, you can expedite and uh, uh, have augmented clinical response with that. The maximum effect is about three months. Significant side effects, again, they're listed here uh, in in your handout. I guess you're gonna get the pen drives, is it thumb drives or whatever, and you can see that. I mean, I do use uh, methotrexate in ultraviolet light patients, but again, there is a risk of phototoxicity. Cyclosporin, again, this was what determined the etiology of psoriasis, that this was a uh, uh, immune problem, that patients who had kidney transplants, the uh, fortuitous observation that when they took the cyclosporin, they got much better on the uh, cyclosporin their psoriasis. And again, uh, I used to use this a lot uh, when I had uh, patients on Reptiva who'd have a flare. Uh, I stay away from this. It's got a lot of side effects. You gotta have the patient come in, get BUN, creatinine, check their blood pressure and all that. But it is a nice little bridge to certain things here. And actually, interestingly enough, they're coming out with a new biologic that's gonna be very similar to uh, cyclosporin. And again, I don't know if I had it on this slide here, no, there's another slide about which kind to use. And here are a couple of good references if you want to look at this. I Actually, to learn this, I went out in about 1988 to John Koo's uh, outpatient clinic in San Francisco and learned how to use that. You know, you've got to have some cojones to use that. It, it's got some side effects. But again, uh, you have uh, different uh, indications for it. I use it in rescue therapy. It's well used in pyoderma gangrenosum. And again, pustular, some of these types that are very recalcitrant therapy can be used. Lots of contraindications a quick word about live vaccinations, whether you're using biologics, methotrexate, cyclosporin, If you have a patient that you're going to start on that, Find out if they're planning a trip overseas where they have to get vaccinations. You don't want to have a problem where a patient gets a vaccination and gets some weird disseminated disease. So it's very important for you to try and plan ahead of time. This is a lifelong disease. It doesn't matter if the patient has to wait two or three weeks or a month to start them on therapy when they've had it all their life versus you hanging yourself out to dry because you gave a vaccination that they shouldn't have got while they're on an immunosuppressive medication. Again, drug interactions. These are all in your handout here, so I, I won't belabor them. I want to try and stay on time. Cyclosporin dosing, again, uh, the maximum dosage here is five MIGs per kg in divided dosage two or three times a day. And these are the best kind, the oral and GenGraph. Some of the other kinds are, are not uh, as well absorbed and, and don't work as well. You have to use higher dosages. Side effects, again, all this, particularly the kidney, is where you got to worry about renal failure. And again, you know, this is not like jelly beans. This is one of the drugs that either you know what you're doing or you send them to your boss or maybe to the university center or one of those high powered psoriasis centers near you. As uh, Craig Leonardi says, learn how to share the liability. Don't be a hero. A lot of people have gotten in trouble surgically and otherwise when they've tried to uh, do uh, more than they were capable of. The best example of that is JFK Jr. He wasn't man enough to tell his sister-in-law, I can't fly this plane at night, and he's dead today. So uh, it's important that you realize that. Again, it's not tetragenic. A lot of people use cyclosporin for really bad psoriasis during pregnancy. Again, that's another one that I'm going to refer. I don't have the cojones to do that. And you've got to wean patients off slowly. Rapid response, it takes a little bit longer here, four uh, months as opposed to three months with the methotrexate. Monitoring, again, you got all sorts of different stuff. Uh, If you're going to put a patient on that, make sure you understand how it works if you've not done it before, because it is more complicated. And again, this is all in, in your handouts here. I won't belabor this. The utility. Bridge of rescue, you can control certain types of recalcitrant and psoriasis. You can use this rotational therapy, again, methotrexate works on the liver, this works on the kidney, one year one, one year the other, and of course pyodermic gangrenosum can sometimes be very difficult. So in summary, it's a high performance acting drug that has good utility. All right, now phototherapy of psoriasis, and I think this is the last uh, part of the talk. Photochemotherapy, there's lots of different kinds. Uh, there's UVB therapy, which is broken up into broadband and into narrow band. Again, the narrow band is obviously more effective. It's been around since 1984, the broadband ba- since uh, the end of time. Uh PUVA therapy, which I said is just because of this company making it so exorbitantly high is falling in disfavor. Of course, we know that it changed the ratio of skin cancers. Normal ratio, basal cell greater than squamous cell. With PUVA, the squamous cell is higher. And again, I think all of you are aware of the tanning beds may have a higher risk of melanoma. So why shouldn't that be the case with PUVA? Again, heliotherapy in the Dead Sea, uh, some of the rich people that uh, the altitude of that in the sun, in the salt water was uh, very uh, effective and people would take vacations there that could afford it. So the phototherapy for psoriasis, the good. They've used it since ancient times. Here you can get temporary or sometimes long-term remissions. You can use it with topical therapies, combination therapy, certain systemic drugs. It's uh, safe if properly implemented, insurance friendly. Insurance companies, thanks to the National Psoriasis Foundation, have gotten pretty good payback. So you can make uh, a nice uh, remuneration with this compared to an office visit. And a lot of times I'll throw patients into the light box when they come for their regular visit just to see how they respond. Uh, so there are various choices. and. Uh, the maintenance can prolong remission. In other words, if once on PUVA the old days, you'd have a patient come in once every two or four weeks for a maintenance therapy, it would keep the remission longer and longer. You can do that with UVB and narrowband. The bad, if you're not careful, they could burn, blister, photo age. Uh, We now have an indication for um, blue light therapy on the chest and we had a lady who fell, you know, standing up because of the the light. So you got to be on top of those things. Can increase the risk of skin cancer. Again, with uh, gas prices being what they are today, it is somewhat inconvenient uh, for patients to come to your office two to three times a week you have to worry about herpes that exacerbates fever blisters uh, if you do blue light or you're doing any of the other things you need to either give them prophylactic uh, uh, famvir or Valtrex uh, or acyclovir whatever the case may be or have them protect their lip and again oxorolin has gotten ridiculous and paritis and puva is a problem so the ugly you have concurrent with immunosuppressive, so again, uh, ultraviolet light is an immunosuppressive. Here you have uh, various things, skin cancers, you can't use that. Obviously, xeroderma, pigmentosin, albinism are contraindicated here. Uh, arsenic exposure, men and women of reproductive age, you've got to be careful uh, with the prover therapy there. Cataracts, they've got to use the goggles and the shields. Uh, the mechanism of action, again, all these things decrease T-cell proliferation through various mechanisms. I won't belabor that. Again, there are other proposed mechanisms, just like in psoriasis. The jury's still out, new things are happening, every six months it's changing, and here you can see all these things. Maybe one of the proposed mechanisms for ultraviolet light therapy is that it increases vitamin D levels, which are anti tumorigenic and have so many other important purposes in the body and again I forgot to mention it just hit me is the calcitriol has a hundred times more metabolic function on the keratinocytes it has intracrine paracrine effects on the keratinocytes it changes the cells from th1 to th2 and also affects the paracrine effects on the neighboring cells Uh, reduction in C reactive protein which is good for the comorbidities and all of that so here are just a couple of cartoons showing you how it inhibits cell mediated immunity the UVB Frequency, we usually use it two, three times a week. I increase by 10 seconds unless the patient said they got red or burned, then we decrease it. You should do a careful history. Protect them with goggles in and shield the genitals because they'll burn unless they belong to a nudist colony and have plenty of exposure. Advantages of the narrow band is that it's less carcinogenic. You don't have to give it with sorolins like in Poover, and it is superior. I think we have a study here, yeah. This Walter study shows you that comparing narrow band with broad band, and you can see that uh, the narrow band is a much more efficacious than the broadband, but they're expensive. Puva, topical, bath, oral, re PUVA. I used to do this in the 80s and 90s where you'd give a patient a retinoid, whether it be acetretin, psoriotain, an hour before they'd come into the Puva box, and they get pretty good results. We'd have them go on that for about uh, 10 days before they started Puva therapy. Whoop, I hit the wrong button. All right. And here's Poover, again, the schematic showing you how you have a depletion of the T cells. Pharmacology, it's poorly soluble in water, so it's important that it's individualized. Each patient has to take it at the same time every day. An hour is what I used to do before they came into the uh, office. And again, eye shields, you have to be careful. On the non-treatment days, too, you want to tell them uh, you not to get too much sun, especially the day they take the pills. All right, so I got to meet my biological father uh, recently here. Uh, Some of you may know we are back with Seminar C. If any of you guys are interested, see me afterwards. Uh, I have a couple of brochures. If you're just going to the Baltics next August, uh, I I certainly appreciate uh, all of your attentiveness. I guess we may have a minute or two for questions, and it's time for uh, the closing time now. So thank you very much, and enjoy the rest of your meeting. I finished ahead of schedule. Would you like me to do a couple of routines here? Is John around? Is he introducing the next speaker? Can I introduce the next speaker? Is he here? <laughs> Any questions? Yes, ma'am. Oh, I, I don't use blue light for psoriasis. I just mentioned it because we had a lady who fall recently. We got an indication in Alabama, Blue Cross Blue Shield, for the chest for sun damage on the chest. Yeah, I just threw that in that you have to be careful. Uh, my esthetician left the room, and the lady fell and hit her head, so we had to send her over the emergency room just to protect ourselves. And she was uh, all right. She came back the next week and wanted another po- uh, another blue light treatment. So, you mentioned the induction induction of methotrexate. You uh, give five milligrams on one day, five milligrams the next day. Check their labs in two weeks, and then bring them back. Would you go over that a little bit again? Okay. The way I do this is that when I see the patient for the first time, I get a baseline blood test. I give them a prescription for 20 pills. And their instructions are that they're going to wait till the next day I get the copy of the blood test. They'll take two. Let's say I see them on Tuesday, so they'll start Wednesday. Two pills Wednesday and two pills the next Wednesday. Then they'll come back and see me the next Tuesday, which would be two weeks from the initial visit, and then I have them repeat the blood test, and when they come back, I say, don't take your pills tomorrow night till I call you. We check the blood test, make sure. And that's it. It's very rare, but you can have a complete drop in the white count, the platelets, and all that. If the blood test is okay, then I go up to four pills for f- the next four weeks. Have them come back, same thing. They come back in on a Tuesday. I get the blood test. And on Wednesday, uh, I tell them, you know, if they're doing great, or I might increase them to five or six, depending on that. Uh, and that way, one 20-pill prescription will last them for six weeks. Again, make sure you make copies of your prescriptions when you do methotrexate. You don't want some idiot pharmacist, and it's happened before, where they continue to supply the methotrexate. The patient doesn't come back because they're getting the medicine, and then next thing you know, the blood's depressed pleated, they have all these uh, liver enzymes that are off the wall. So be very careful. You know, again, uh, you guys, uh, hopefully none of you have ever been sued. I uh, had a case once against me that they dropped because they sued all the doctors who treated the lady. And even if you didn't do anything and you're not responsible, it still uh, can be uh, very uh, traumatic in having to give depositions and all that. Uh, I don't have time to tell you the story how I was smart enough to avoid that. It was in a lady with chronic urticaria. She was a 16-year-old girl and uh, I treated her very carefully, we would give her a shot every three or four months or maybe a short uh, oral course. I don't even use a dose pack. I write my cortisone down on the sheet where it says you take these immediately after breakfast once a day. I go with a diurnal period. And all my prescriptions are pre-written with no refill. So anyway, what happened is that get, she had chronic urticaria, which is you guys see all the time. So her family practitioner said, oh, I'll fix you. Uh, come on, I'm going to put you in the hospital and he gives her IV solumedrol. So she ended up getting hypnecrosis, and said, Suit everybody. So, one of the times, and again, when you guys go to these lectures, I think the preceding lecture, you can learn a lot. And I remember listening to Howard Mayback, he's an old timer out in San Francisco, and he was talking about uh, uh, chronic urticaria. And um, so, help me God, this is a true story. He said that some women get it because they're allergic to sperm from one man and not another. You know, it's just crazy that there may be something in sperm which sets him off and he had documentation all that. So at one time in the uh, visit, I asked her, I said, well, are you having relations with more than one man? And I documented. So during my the deposition I said well she was promiscuous and she had sex with all these guys and so of course I was dropped from the case immediately because they didn't want that to be uh, you know. so again you know you never can tell when something you hear will come to your aid and uh, of course I at that time hypnocrosis was a, a big issue and I'm not sure that hypnocrosis can uh, occur from one shot or you have to give 50 an overdose there are a lot of other reasons for that so uh, again this is just something you hear you learn and you keep it in the back of your head and maybe use it later on down the line. Uh, another issue is on, a, on an isotretinoin patient. I had uh, this 15 year old girl. She was doing an abstinence and none. This is before I pledge, this is when the old SMART program. So, uh, you know, she came back and the pregnancy test was positive. And I said, oh, my gosh, you know, I called the mother. You know, she's a church-going girl, sweet little thing. And she said, oh, it's got to be wrong. Repeat the test. Of course, it's positive. So now, uh, you know, I bring the family in. I said, look, you know, she needs to get a termination of pregnancy. We don't use that word abortion in Alabama. And uh, otherwise, she'll have an albatross around her neck the rest of her life, a deformed baby. And, uh, you know, the parents agreed. And they took her and, and, and did it. And about two weeks later, I get a call from the guy. And the guy says, well, look, you cussed me out. You had my baby killed. You didn't ask me anything. I want to sue you. And I said, well, how old are you? And he said, well, I'm 19. I said, okay. He said, you sue me. I said, I've got malpractice, but you're going to jail for statutory rape because whether she consented or not, you know, that's statutory rape. So I was very lucky. If he was 17, I might have uh, gotten sued. So I never heard from him again. Where's John here? I'm running out of, uh, out of stories. Does anybody know who the- Yes. Yeah, 2.5 milligrams. Yeah, 2.5 milligrams. I've never used the 5. I tell you, since you mentioned that, it is a little bit cheaper that some of you can do IM and the oral form. They can drink it. They can do shots. And that's cheaper than the pills. The pills have gotten jacked up. Years ago, methotrexate pills were pretty cheap. But now they've gotten higher, too. Are you guys due for a break now? Any more questions? All right, you all have a good break. Enjoy the rest of the meeting. Thank you so much.